We are in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and this will be our key scripture for the next three weeks, and it was for last week as well. We're currently talking about Renew. The theme for this series is Renew. And uh, last week we spoke about a renewed commitment, drew upon the scripture in Psalm 51, verses 10 to 12, where David speaks and he prays out and he says, Renew in me a right spirit. And what an apt time for us as a church to stop and say, God, will you renew something in us? Would you renew who we are? Would you take us back to the place where we can be all that you have purposed for us to be? And as we read Romans 12, we realize that it's not just a question of we once made a decision for Christ, but we understand that the world continually is pulling upon us and is trying to conform us into its mold. And so renewal is something that we need to keep looking at. Last week, we spoke about a renewed commitment And I started with this kind of simple kind of quote. I said, successful resolutions are usually preceded by a sincere reflection and a deep sense of dissatisfaction, so much so that it leads to a heartfelt resolve to change. And in talking about resolve, we're not just talking about, hey, I made a decision. We mentioned how few New Year's resolutions are actually carried through to the end of the year. In fact, I think it's 9% was the figure we used that actually make it to the end of the year. A resolve needs to be something deeper than a good idea. It is we are resolving inside of ourselves to make a commitment. And so at the start of the year, we spoke about a renewed commitment. Today, we will be speaking about renewed thinking because flowing from a commitment, when we make a commitment, as we'll see today, we need to move to a place where we are going to be thinking differently about things. Now, please uh, bear with me. We might be a little bit heady today. Forgive the, no pun was intended, but apparently there is one in there, seeing that we're speaking about renewed thinking. But uh, go with me on this journey, and let's see how God can challenge us, even in the way that we think. We'll start off by just returning to the passage in Romans 12, 1 to 2, and we'll pick it up from there. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters... By the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable and perfect. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. A renewed commitment calls for renewed thinking. We could ask the question very simply, why do we need to change the way we think? Is renewed thinking that important? Well, certainly for Paul, it was, in fact, very important. Paul saw this as a key point, a key thing to do. We've understood as we've studied Scripture that something has to change in our thinking As we make commitments to God, as we choose a new life in Christ, something has to change. Romans chapter 8 verse 5, have a look carefully at the link between the way we live our lives and how our thinking is so connected into this. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Notice how living and setting our mind are connected. Romans chapter 8, beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture, that whole chapter. But those who live, living 
according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. There is a connection. So our actions and our reactions are directly connected to the way we think. Now, interestingly enough, even this concept of repentance that we pick up in Scripture all the time, the word repentance in the Greek speaks of metanoia, that's that whole concept. A lot of people talk about repentance as doing a 180. You're walking in one direction, you turn around, you're now walking in a different direction, right? So we understand repentance is a turning away from, a changing direction. We one, went one way, we go another way. But as you discover this and you understand that, you don't turn around until your head turns around. So a lot of people tell you this as well, is that repentance itself is actually a change of thinking that precedes action. First, you have to change the way you think before we change the way we act. And we'll talk more about that today as we unpack this passage a bit more. So renewed thinking. Let's start off where we did last week as well. I appeal to you, therefore, to present your bodies as, living, as a living sacrifice. Therefore, we mentioned this, therefore. There is a therefore because something went before. What went before, and we spoke about this, we said there was teaching about sanctification. There's teaching about reconciliation. There's teaching about justification by faith. Essentially, Paul is saying, hey, summed up, everything has changed. Jesus came. He died. It all changed everything. Life as you know it has changed. Therefore, present your bodies as living sacrifices. Have a look at this. If we go back to Romans chapter 8, one of the key concepts, the key things that has changed in our life is the fact that our identity has shifted. Romans chapter 8, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery. We were slaves to sin, but you received, a, a, to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. This is powerful stuff. Do you know that you are children of God? Think about that for a second. If you know that you are God's child, you should be thinking differently. And if you're thinking differently, you should be acting differently. But sometimes we're like, well, I think we're okay. Where do we belong? Well, just in church. No, 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 no. There's something powerful. Paul's saying, look at the therefore. Everything has changed. Jesus died. In Christ, everything, who we are, it's all been shifted. Everything is shifted around. But you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, we see that this concept that we are adopted, that we are children of God. We see that in Galatians as well. The Spirit, by the Spirit of God, we cry, Abba, Father. It is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are, what? We are changed. We are changed. We are not the same anymore. We are children of God. Paul writes it in Romans, but he writes it in Corinthians as well. He says the same thing. Look at this. If anyone is in Christ... If you are in Christ, it's all changed. Everything has changed. There is a new creation. Now, this concept of new creation. If my car gets into a fender, whatever you want to call it, or somebody goes in the back or the side, and I take it in, and you take it into the shop, and they beat out a few dents, do I have a new car? 
now I've got an old revamped car. This is not what he's talking about. He's saying the old is gone, the new has come. I'm a new creation. Everything old passed away. It's gone. See, everything has become new. So this is a powerful concept. But here's the thing. If everything has changed, then why does Paul say to us, present your bodies as living sacrifices? If it's all changed. Simple, simple concept. Everything has changed in the spirit, but it hasn't changed in the body. So, let me lay this out for you. When we make commitments in life, things change. There was a time when I was a single young man. And I came as I went, as I wanted to. And I went as I wanted to. I did what I wanted, when I wanted, if I wanted. And then there came a time when I walked up the altar and I said, I do, and I made a commitment, watch this, to my wife. She wasn't my wife then, she became my wife when I made that commitment. What changed? Everything changed. There's just a little bit too much. We'll have a marriage series later on in the year. (laughs) But here's the point. I make a commitment. My identity has changed from single to married. My identity has changed to a point where now the expectations, who I am, how I live my life has to change. I can't say, hey, I'm disappearing for the weekend. And and, and like my wife goes like, you are? I'm like, yeah, no, I just decided to go camping this weekend. She's like, did you talk to me about that? I'm like, well, why should I? I'm my own person. No, no, no. You made a commitment to enter into a relationship, and that means the way you make those decisions change. Everything you do changes. You make it willingly, and when you make that commitment, you need to understand that that has cons. I have to think differently. I don't have to think like a single, independent, on my own person. I now have to think about how does this affect my wife? How do we build in? How does this relationship become stronger? How do we become better together? How do we allow the life that God has given us together to flow in our marriage and through our marriage? How do we allow God to be the best in this situation? Not just my life, our lives. Okay? And then there was a day when I stood in the hospital and I held this little, beautiful, newly born baby in my arms. His name was Joel. And guess what? Everything changed. (laughs) I'm getting the same. We'll do a parenting course as well. (laughs) Because I went from not a father to being a father. Something like my identity shifted. Something. The, the reality was, it's kind of like, you know those, those stories where, or you've seen that might have happened in your house, where the kids go through the attic or they, they're, somewhere in, they're somewhere in the garage and they pick up this whole box and there's all these photos and they pull the photos out and they go, hey, granddad, who was this? And granddad goes, that was me. No way, that wasn't you. Yeah, that was me. I mean, in those days, the hair was down here, the beard was down here, the clothes just hung loosely. Now it's like jacket, tie, cleanly shaven, nice and neat haircut. No, that's not you, granddad. What changed? Everything changed. I got married. Responsibility the way I think, the way I act, everything changes, right? Not only that, I had a child. I realized that, 
You know, when you show up at work with long hair, flowing robes and little beards, they don't pay you as well as when you wear the suit and the tie. So we thought maybe we need to give my child a future. And so something changed. So what's happened? Identity has shifted. Our identity has changed. Romans has taught us that everything has changed in our lives. We have gone from slaves. We've gone from, from bound in sin to free to children of God. And because that has happened, everything in our lives has changed. But here's the thing. How are we going to align this everything that has changed? How do we align the spiritual reality of this huge shift with what's actually happening in our lives? Let's move on. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As believers, one of the biggest problems we have and the reason we struggle with change, we struggle to actually move into what God wants for us, the, the reason we struggle to actually step into the fullness of all God has got for us is because we have this thing called conformity to the world. Our thinking is still the same. We still think in the same way. And Paul says, you need to think differently. You cannot think the same way the world thinks because that's your old life. You now need to think the way the new kingdom thinks. You need to think like God wants you to think. You need to renew your mind. I'll give you an example of this. So, I used to live in an environment that was high crime. Okay? Where I came from, there was a lot of crime. So, to give you an idea of, of how this all kind of works out. Where I was, you had like fences, walls, barbed wire. This is your house, nowhere else. It's like, this is like prison. What, what you call prison, we called home, okay? So, so this is like barbed wire, electric fences. Like, I kid you not, I had a palisade fence with electric fence and barbed wire all in my perimeter of my home, right? Then when, you, when, you, when you're driving, you're always looking around. You're looking around to make sure nobody's following you. You're looking around to make sure there's no crime. What would happen is they have things like call them smash and grabs. They hit your, your window and they just steal what's on the seats next to you and they run. That, that's kind of the stuff that would happen. So you'd make sure that nothing was on the seats, everything's out the way. And then that, that's kind of how you looked. We stopped, you always looked around, you're checking. When you go to bed at night, there was, I mean, it's, it, this is kind of, you live in that environment. So you're living in this world where you have all those things happening. So, so this is interesting. So then you come to another environment, say, here within the United States, wherever it might be. Obviously not everything is the same. And then I walk into church, okay? And then I stop at my chair and I think to myself, how do I reserve my seat? Now, now some of you aren't, you're thinking like, I don't understand what he's saying. Because where I come from, you would be as the pastor, put your phone or your iPad on your seat, you'd be in the middle of worship, you turn around and it's gone. <laughs> I kid you not. In the church, everybody's showing up, there's a crowd, and somewhere in that service, it goes missing. Now, to leave your phone on your chair and to disappear to go have a cup of coffee means goodbye phone, hello coffee. <laughs> so everything changes. So I walk in, I go like, what do I do with my phone? I'm like, do I take, no, but how do, I, how, how do we do this? So suddenly you're thinking everything, you're in a different environment, you're in a different world, you've moved into a different place, but you're still thinking, you see this? as according to the old world. And so this, the whole thing, you have to almost retrain yourself to think differently because the way you think is determined the way you're going to act. 
So when you walk down the street and you're always looking around on your shoulders and people are like, what's the matter? What are you doing? Why are you No, I'm just checking to see like what's happening behind me. So everything shifts around. Do you know what it's like when, you, when you've been living with fences and gates and then you pull into your driveway and there's no fence in front of your house? Do you know how insecure you feel? You stand at the window, you think, I don't feel safe. You might be safe. You're in a new world. You're in a different place. But you still live with that fear. You still live with that anxiety. You still position yourself. Middle of the night, you wake up and you go, what was that? Was somebody breaking into my house? Is something breaking in, not breaking in? And, and you are, you're like walking around the house at two in the morning and people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just having a cup of coffee or checking some water. But what's happened is you've moved into something new. Watch this. There's a new reality, but something hasn't shifted yet. And so you have to go on a journey where you're shifting things. Now, spiritual reality is exactly the same thing. What's happened is that the body, the life, is still living according to the old thinking. The mind keeps the body captive. You've made the commitment. You've decided you want to move. You've decided you want to change. But until you change the way you think, you will still live as a captive in the old world. Now, this is where it gets really powerful. Let me show you this in Scripture, how it works, even, even the way Paul kind of lays it out. One of the big issues that Paul deals with in the book of Romans is this concept of sin. And, and if you read enough, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, you understand, he's saying, he's saying guys, we are free. Heard that before? We no longer are captured by the law of sin and death. We're free. Why is he saying that? Because we've lived so long in this old world that we still think that we are captive and held captive by sin. So what do we do? When sin comes along, we're like, well, you know, this is the world that's messed up. I'm messed up. We're all messed up. Let's move on. Instead of, this is the world. It's messed up. I was messed up. I have a new identity. I'm a child of God. I don't have to go down that path anymore. What's the difference? We have to change the way we think. Look at the scripture in chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. We know. Okay? What's no? Our head, our mind. We know. We know something. We know that our old self was crucified with him. So now, this is the revelation we need to understand. Jesus died on the cross, and Paul will tell us and teach us, you have been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. That guy is dead. That person is gone. And the reason that person is gone, so when sin comes knocking and says, hey, by the way, um, I've come to collect, you say, no, the guy you're looking for is dead. He died a long time ago. You look the same. No, he's gone. Doesn't live here anymore. What do you mean? He died with Christ. What you're looking at is a 2 Corinthians 5.17 new creation. So by the way, sin, all these things, go find another house to knock on the door because this one's taken. That's what he's talking about. The old is crucified with him. The body of sin might be destroyed. Destroyed. Gone away. And we might no longer be enslaved to sin. Forever has died, is freed from sin. Does that make sense? Am I seeing blank faces? All good? 
Let's, let's do one or two examples and we land this, land this thing. Spiritual truth must and should always lead towards renewed thinking. Renewed thinking leads towards transformed lives. We live differently because we made a commitment to God. We understand what that commitment means. We start to think differently. We start to act differently. This whole concept of the mind and how powerful that is, we, we don't realize how our thinking captures or how thinking captures the church. So in Romans, we have this concept of conformity. Around the world at the moment, right? Churches are splitting, dividing on all sorts of reasons, right? What's at the heart of that? Romans chapter 12. Conformity to the way the world thinks. The world tells us that we should think this way. We should act that way. This is who we should be. This is what your identity should be. This is how you should live. This is what's acceptable in this world. And it pushes us towards conformity. We move towards conformity. And then you have people who are saying, but actually we don't believe that is the truth because we have truth that comes in that says, hey, hang on. We live by a different set of rules. We're not a part of this world and this kingdom. We're part of that kingdom. And so then you get the clash, which is actually not a denominational clash or a theological clash. It's a clash of kingdoms. The two kingdoms, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God, are coming up against each other. As we conform to the ways of this world, we find ourselves in a place where we become like this world. We think like this world. We act like this world wants us to act. But as we renew our minds with Scripture, we become like the world that God wants us to, the new kingdom, the kingdom that was inaugurated by Jesus. And we start to live and become more like Christ wants us to live. But not only, not only that, we become more like Jesus and who Jesus is. And so at the heart of all that we're doing, a lot of what we're doing, I don't have to tell you this, the big thing that we deal with in our culture today has to do simply with thinking. Let me give you another example. This is how the devil messes with our thinking. Think about the concept of eternity. Is it acceptable within our culture to say, well, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life? Is that acceptable? Well, we say we believe it, but culture says, aren't you being a bit exclusive? So I was speaking to somebody who was a minister and he was in a different denomination. They were relatively... I would say open-minded, I'm trying to use a word, but let's just say you understand what I mean. And the biggest discussion they were having on their church board level was whether or not they should have a cross anywhere in their church because they felt like that was too exclusive. Because if you put a cross on there, or you anyway indicate that the cross is about what we are, then you're actually saying that, well, there's certain religions that won't be welcome with us. So how can we actually do that? And so this concept of conformity is, let's think differently. Let's just decide that Jesus is not the only way. But now let me show you how this works downstream. If I change my thinking to the place where, well, there is no hell. There's only a heaven. We're all going to go to, we're all going to be saved one day. There's no heaven and hell. We're just all going to, I don't know what we're going to do, but everybody is in a good place. Jesus is not the only way, not the only truth. The church is now redundant. Why do you need Jesus? Think about that. As we logically unfold this thing, 
conformity to the pattern of Jesus makes faith redundant. There's no reason for faith. There's no reason for the church. There's no reason to believe in Jesus. There's no reason for the cross. Then Jesus did not die. There's no reason for him to have died. Everything starts to go downhill. And what's it start with? It starts with the way we... The world says conform. Jesus, Paul says to us, transform. We're not conforming. We're moving away from that kingdom. We're moving into another kingdom. So all these things, they all play a role in our lives. Even the faith, as we sit here today. Some people might come and say to us, I, I, I can't be a part of a church that meets in a school hall. It's not a church. But it depends what you believe. So some people say, if it's going to be a church, we need an organ. We need a choir. We need a stained glass window. And man, we need pews with cushions. Amen. Now, we need pews with cushions, but not because it's scriptural or biblical, but because we just like the comfort of soft pews, right? But the point is, if you think that is the church, then you will build that. Do you understand what I'm saying? But if you understand that the church, the ecclesia, who we are, you are the church. I am the church. We are the church. Where two or three are gathered, there I am. The ecclesia are the called out ones, the ones that have been called out by God to be in community, to love one another, to be with one another. Then you can be in Africa under a tree with three people having a Bible study and you know there is the church. But it has to do with our thinking. If we cannot shift our thinking, we will never shift the way we do things in our lives. So this is a very, very important point for us to understand. Paul knows this. Paul is saying from chapters 1 all the way to 12, he's saying, he's saying, guys, you need to think different. You need to understand what's going on. Everything has changed, but you have to make a decision. And when you make that decision, you have to move to the place where you're thinking now. Is, it's a transformational thinking that's influenced by the renewing of your mind. Everything is changing. Don't go back to the world. Think different. I'm telling you what to think. Chapters 1 to 12. When culture shapes our thinking, it will dictate our practice. It's as simple as that. So how do we renew our minds? And I am drawing this to a close. How do we renew our minds? We replace the lies of this world with the truth of God's Word. We replace the lies of this world with the truth of God's Word. You know, we're not going to get it right every single time, but man, if we can keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, keep reading, keep trying, keep reading. It has been with us for many, 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 many years. It will not pass away. It is the very thing that renews our mind, shapes our life, shapes our thinking. We push into the theology that it teaches. We push into all that Paul tells us in 1 to 12 understanding reconciliation, understanding justification, understanding these things, pushing in to be more like Christ, thinking like Christ thinks, acting like Christ acts, and really becoming conformed to the image of Christ. John chapter 8, verses 31 to 32 says, Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, beautiful passage, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. 
and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Amen. And the truth will make you free. Let us pray together.